This is the podcast Metalheads. We are the band Metal, M-E-T-T-L-E. It has nothing to do with the music metal, in case anybody needs to have that clarified for the 90th time. We're an alternative rock band based out of Southern California, and this is our music podcast where we discuss all things music, uh, our interests, our uh, inspirations, what has been inspirational throughout time, and all that. So um, this episode, we actually decided to discuss Pearl Jam because of their latest release. We thought it was pertinent uh, to visit them, and also because they were one of the great you know, alt-rock uh, bands of their time and obviously heavily influential. So Scott Gossett, he took over for me. This was supposed to be my week to lead the discussion on Pearl Jam, but I suck. So <laughs> Scott did the killers and now he's doing Pearl Jam, but I'm ready to discuss it. <laughs> All right. Well, Pearl Jam, as everyone knows, is one of the big four Seattle bands, which would fall under Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, and Soundgarden. Pearl Jam is, as everyone knows, one of the big four Seattle bands, which would include Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, and Soundgarden. Pearl Jam was actually founded when the guitar player and the bass player from Mother Love Bones, Singer, died. They uh, recorded a demo with Mike McCready, who was also another guitar player, and then Matt Cameron, their drummer. Uh, Jack Irons gave this demo to Eddie Vedder, who was some random San Diego surfer. I don't really know really why yeah. that was yeah like i don't know do you, any of you guys know why like they, like every time you hear the story it's always like yeah like the jack irons who actually played uh drums in the chili peppers gave this demo to eddie vetter but like nobody ever says if he's sung in any other bands or if you're just like oh. some homeless dude you know <laughs> what i mean like yeah they name him off like uh like, he was a household name yeah like oh yeah Eddie Vedder, he, just give it to him, you know? Yeah, yeah. see like, if he wants yeah. to do work just with Just give him. it to Eddie, man. Yeah, I don't, it might have been maybe within the town itself that he was really well-known or something of that sort, but yeah, aside from that, it's kind of like, oh yeah, they went to Eddie Vedder and he yeah. sang on it, it sounded great, and here's Pearl Jam. Yeah, I really don't fucking know. <laughs> and like you said, he was just a San Diego surfer, huh? <laughs> born in Illinois, how is he? Is that what they, Illinois, is that what it yeah. is? Yeah. He was born in Illinois, so then he uh, found a lot of waves there and then traveled to San Diego. Just, got on a boat, like Fievel style, and ended <laughs> up in San Diego. He's a powerful baritone, though, that's oh, nice. according to Wikipedia. So there's there's that. Have they ever measured the power? They have, um, but then uh, they went back to talking about how he was born in a suburb of Chicago and that his parents were divorced in 65 when he was still an infant. So maybe that's kind of what fueled his... Yeah, so he's very Fievel-like. <laughs> he's very Fievel-like. I mean, the, the, the Fievel's parents weren't divorced, but that's he was That's where the power came in from. Exactly. <laughs> well, and he was raised believing that his... Uh, that from all Pe- the trials and tribulations. That Peter Muller was his biological father. And he went by the name Edward Muller for a long time. But who the fuck is Peter Muller? Well, that's what I'm saying. They say, yeah. it, they say it as if we should know. That's the well, best part. Maybe he was like a famous Muller artist is. or something. You know what I mean? Better's no. ancestry includes Dutch, German, and Danish. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so there's really nothing to say about Eddie Vedder that isn't completely weirdly like acting as though we should just know who this guy is. I need to be a little bit more read up on Eddie Vedder, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think I need to read up on Peter Mueller. I know. Well, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently Eddie Vedder really didn't. He was just kind of this latchkey band member. And he was just playing in a bunch of bands, like being a waiter and doing various like odd jobs. 
um, and he was like a security person, things like that. And he was just doing stints in different bands. And so that's how they found him because they, they needed, like you said, a, just any singer. I wish so. I knew what his security qualifications were. <laughs> <laughs> Top like flight security. Yeah, because yeah, you know, like sometimes guys are just really big and tall, so they get to be security, yeah. but they don't have any training. Like he, Eddie Vedder is kind of small. Yeah. Well, he um he did that, and then he was making all of his demo tapes while he was his little security guard, and then he would just hand them out. Do you have any rap projects? I really hope. Uh, okay. <laughs> I just doubt his credibility. So Pearl Jam's first album was 10. This is the album that most people know them by. There were many hit songs. Um, I know that I love the shit out of this album. There, you know, Jeremy, Black, Alive, Even Flow. My personal favorite was Why Go. Um, That one is like, I think it's number three, right before Even Flow or something like that. So definitely give that one a listen. they were saying that they were only in the studio for 10 days when they made this album. That's why it was called 10. Um, that's not. That's cute. Well, I was going <laughs> to say, like, I don't think that that is very abnormal because like the stuff that we've recorded, we usually record in a short amount of time. I feel like when you're like rehearsed and you know what you're doing, that True. it's not that hard. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't find any information when I was looking this up about whether they try to claim that it was all written in that 10 days. But I think that it was not because I thought I heard that on the demo they had had like a few of the other songs. So it's only just 10 days to record the album as far as the 10 goes, as far as I could tell. Um, That could be kind of like an accomplishment in itself, trying to to get all that stuff in 10 days though, um, for that type of release. Oh, yeah, especially something that's like on a major label and they think that it's credible enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I could totally agree with that. Because I think that like even when we've recorded our stuff, we, we did like What's Left of the Lizard in like five days, mm-hmm. I think total, but that's only five songs. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's with working, doing pre-production outside of the studio and all that stuff. I figured they would, they would have all that stuff too. I mean, a lot of the bands, when they start off and they get a first album or yeah. something of that sort, I feel like they go in there already with a whole batch of songs that they've been playing for a couple of years, mm-hmm. um, whether it's the same band or just a new rendition of whatever new members joined in. Oh, but yeah. it feels like, yeah, there's a solid like list of 10 songs that they've been playing for mm-hmm. two, God three years long, already. Yeah. And now they're barely going into the studio. Can they do it in 10 days? Definitely. Yeah. I yeah, think so. It, it yeah. did say that the, the, the album sessions were quick and lasted only a month, mainly due to the band already having written most of the material for the record. Porch, Deep, Why Go, and Garden were first recorded during the album sessions. <clears throat> Everything else had been previously recorded during demo sessions at some point. So that's probably why yeah. it was fast, because it sounds like they did have everything pretty much done. Recording sessions for, for 10 were completed in May 1991. What's strange to me, though, is that how were they able to make an album that was this good through and through? And then it seems like almost every other follow-up was so mediocre compared to this. Everybody always says that, you know, you have your whole life to make your first album and then you just have to kind of play catch up and rush around to make the other yeah. ones. But I, I don't know. Like they, it's not like they had been playing together for so many years. They didn't have Eddie Vedder. You know what I mean? They only exactly. had really the guitar player and the bass player. So if they were all able to come together and make these songs in such a short amount of time, what happened to the other albums? Did they 
just not care. Like half of me even wonders like were people helping them write the songs in the first one and they're just not really admitting that? Well, the thing, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously I have to go check back and and source that. But <clears throat> what's interesting is kind of like I'm sure where you're going with it too that, you know, how they expressed dissatisfaction with this record. I think a lot of this was in reading uh what their own take was it uh, in reading their own take on why they were dissatisfied with this record it was because of the actual like good quality like for lack of better word yeah you're right so they they talked about how it said that they said um first of all they were really mad about all the reverb that they would like to go remix it and take off all the reverb it was yeah, they oh, said it sounded right. too rock. Yeah, like so it was, it was like too over... like you know, like Metallica or like uh, yeah. what's the other one I'm thinking about right I now? I remember reading something the about that, that they wanted to go back into yeah. that. It was over rocked. We were novices in the studio and spent too long recording, doing different takes and killing the vibe and overdubbing tons of guitar. There was lots of reverb on the record. It's like obviously I can't relate. Look at our shit. So, <laughs> well, and this is a point that I wanted to address about all of that. So me and Megan were talking about this earlier. I, I almost wonder if the reason why that bothers them and say it doesn't bother us is because at the time, the music that they felt was disingenuous was things like, you know, Metallica, the Black Album and Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue they had these big fat reverby snares and stuff. So to them, that didn't feel very authentic because they considered that like the radio poppy rock of the time. The mainstream. Yeah. But to us, that doesn't exist anymore. Oh. So we feel like we could use that kind of stuff because it rem- reminds us of like a cooler, different type of music time. And it does. It no longer carries the same connotation that it would have at some point. Well, and they also say, like, yeah, you just said it's it's too produced. It's like I, but I hate. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? I know it's it's a recorded album. Like it's it too can be good. Anything. Yeah. Like it's like make an actual live album if you want it to sound fucking live. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I It'd never be, understand that comment. <clears throat> I don't know if they ever specified though. Like, if they dislike that first album. One, obviously they're saying that it's got too much reverb, whatever it may be, that they want to go back and remix. But uh, down to the roots, though, I wonder if do they actually like those songs where they could, if they remix it, it's okay for them at that point? I think or, that's a good question. I, from yeah. what I researched, I heard a music critic saying that they hated it and even all the music crea- critics hated it, but just the fans really liked it. Because the songs were catchy and all that. But even music critics, you know, through their pretentiousness, decided that, (laughs) no, 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 this is just, it's too polished. It's not like raw and authentic enough to really matter as an album. Yeah, it says right here that, like, um, oh, well, actually, it's uh, the opposite of that, is that all music staff writer Steve Huey called it a flawlessly crafted hard rock masterpiece. (laughs) But I mean, I know what you mean by saying that, like, probably like the more, um, I mean, indie, for lack of a better term, people who actually take themselves way too fucking seriously hated it because of the fact that it, you know, actually was catchy and and had a mass appeal, you know? You know, I just kind of thought about this, though, like just looking back and seeing those, the four big names that came out of Seattle in the Grinch time, right? And so you got Nirvana. They um, see documentaries everywhere. Uh, Girls always talking, talking about like, oh, um one of the first times i used the click oh. he's kind of making it seem like oh we recorded raw yeah it sounded oh. more like we were just in there jamming out um pearl jam there's 
their first one and they say that it feels too uh, radio friendly, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But then Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they sound a little bit more uh, raw too. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe that's what they felt that they were being categorized in a different different area, I guess. I so know. I guess like what you're saying is, is that you're saying that Alice in Chains and Soundgarden sounded more more rock. Yeah, I well, mean, and so it they could were be. almost competing with that. Is what you mean to sound kind of similar? And that's for what the record company, that's what these least. other critics have actually said too. I just found that is it's like <clears throat> I was re- referencing an Entertainment Weekly review in which they said that they brought up Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and said that pretty much that oh, it's like they're trying to capitalize on that. But it in quotes it says it goes to show that you can you can just about. Uh, it, it says it goes to show that just about anything can be harnessed and packaged like what and then another bad review is pearl jam is trying to steal the money from young alternative kids pockets and then obviously kurt cobain of nirvana attacked them claiming the band was commercial sellouts which i get i just think is hilarious from nirvana i know like <laughs> let's be honest like the one that sounds the most polished like commercially packaged yeah. of all of them <laughs> Like, I mean, what's funny is, is like, it's like, this isn't even talk shit on Nirvana because I like them too, but at least when you listen to Pearl Jam, especially that first album, the rhythms are so loose. Like, and I don't mean loose, like off time loose. I mean, like not so rigid. Mm -hmm. Every fucking Nirvana song is like, oh, no, no, no. Listen to this. It gets better. He actually specifically argued that 10 was not a true alternative album because it has so many prominent guitar leads. I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Nir- <laughs> Nirvana is complaining. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. I don't fucking know. And half the time, maybe he's just a fucking dumbass because a lot of them were bass leads. Yeah. You know what I mean? What was that one song with the lead in there? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like alive, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Because even Jeremy, like the intro, right, is basic. Yeah, but then you say that harmonics guitar, but almost most of it, like, can you even think about at the beginning of Even Flow? Like, does that have like a prominent guitar lead? Is he mad about the solos then, maybe? Because it's not like a, I don't know, like to me, like a lead is like kind of like a red and blue intro lead, not like a, just like, like a solo. That, that might be what he's complaining about. I don't yeah, know. No, it just says pro- too many prominent guitar leads. Hmm. <laughs> huh. So I just think that's hilarious. Well, kind of like this band, they, they kind of like have this punk attitude, you know, like fuck the system. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they don't, I, I don't know. I feel like they w- didn't want to like be that mainstream, you know, like, of course. Yeah, they were just you know with songs material to work on and go to the studio, and <laughs> it sounded pretty good because it was like their big moment, like that that was it. Like if they were able to record as a song, you know, an album, and just sell it, you know, put it up to the public or not you know it's, yeah. it was going to be like the the big call for them so I, I feel like that's why it sounds better you know in that in that in that way but also this band sounds like more like a jam you know it's, it's like verse chorus verse chorus and then there's like a jam 
after the chorus, like in every song. I feel like I was just listening to the yeah. The, you mean like like album. a prolonged kind of jam yeah, yeah. section, yeah. And they kind of like sound similar to each other too. Like every every jam is just like kind of similar. It goes to the same place to like same maybe progressions and stuff. But um, I I actually like it. Like the the album ten, it's pretty. Oh good. no no no! I I love yeah. that CD for oh, sure. Absolutely yeah. I just think it's weird that they don't like it at all. Maybe because of how big it got. It's because it's, it's, it's yeah. one of those bands that, like Roy was saying, is like against the system type thing, and it's like, oh shit, our first CD if went sky high and. That's not really what they were about, or whatever it may be. I, and you know what? You know, maybe that is the. Maybe whole they're point. looking back at it at this point. And they're saying like, "Yeah, that's the one that we don't like," just because of how big it got. Yeah, and I guess, and I, I hate to like harp on this, but as far as like how we go, how we, how me and Megan don't like the production on the first one because we feel like it sounds too clean. Maybe it's one of those things where on our they first, don't feel just to. Yeah, that, that that's. On our first. TV. Okay. Cool. Just to clarify. Um, yeah. <laughs> 27 ghosts. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I'm one of those ghosts. Nice. <laughs> I love that. And then from now on, everybody's going to have to do some sleuthing to figure out the other 26. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> saying. <laughs> That's the first clue. I just want to clarify because I don't think actually any, like, you know. Okay. Um, but yeah, just that we didn't like the production on the first one. I mean, it sounds, th- that's the hard part is it sounds really good and it sounds really polished and clean, but we just would have wanted it to sound like a little bit, a little heavier than it came out, I guess would probably be the best way to describe it. And just like imagining like what, where they, they were like probably already playing locally, you know, in, in Seattle and they probably already have like, you know, big following and stuff. So usually when a band goes like, you know, sell out and big and just like pop and stuff like radio, it, Usually you get like that negative feedback from the audience because they know you already. They know, yeah, yeah. How, you know, how good you are and they can just believe it that you just like recorded that clean. You know, it's like you're just lying to me. It's like it's not same music. It's not same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same band. So that's probably why they didn't like the the new album, like the first first uh, 10, the first album. Yeah. That's I mean, and, and that does make a lot of sense to me for sure. All right, well, kind of rounding back to when we mentioned Nirvana, people always seem to give Nirvana the credit for kicking off that whole Seattle scene and paving the way for all of these bands, but none of them sounded like Nirvana. That's actually the thing that has made grunge my favorite scene of all time, is that there was a lot of bands out there, but they were all doing their own thing. It like Now, it's like if you're part of a genre, you have to sound identical to that, and every other band in that genre. So it's pretty cool that you could create a group of people that all wanted to make music together, but none of them wanted to, you know, step on each other's toes or just kind of sound like a ripoff of the other people. They all had their own ideas and wanted to take off on that. And I think it was like also important to note on that exact thought that when we were watching a couple different documentaries that they specifically actually said that because of the time when people just didn't have this mass access to all music all the time, anytime that they actually were not able to be copycat kind of influenced, you know, bands because they weren't being bombarded 
with the constant same sound on repeat. So they actually were forced to develop their own sound. It was actually specifically talked about, which is such a huge kind of uh, motif that, you know, we discuss as our own, as us, as our band. Even when we mentioned the Killers last time, yeah. they kind of said the same thing, that they were rejected from the Las Vegas music scene for the most part because they didn't sound anything like them. Yeah, and here this was a celebrated notion back when all this was coming out that, like you said, all this is like the, the what's it called, grunge era, yet each band sounds 100% like themselves. You can't say that now. Yeah, you know what? Around that time, there there was a lot of bands where... They all had their own sounds. Uh, Sonic Youth came out around the same time, but they yeah. had their own beat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pearl Jam was different from Nirvana. Exactly. From Soundgarden. Their, yeah. The accessibility there, just like Megan said, it, it wasn't there where people can just like, oh, you know what? This sounds good. I'm going to try to play something like this. <laughs> try yeah. Yeah. Well, the early off. 90s were like that in general. I yeah. mean, you have bands like Dinosaur Jr. and Smashing Pumpkins yeah. and uh, oh, yeah, even right. Stone Temple Pilots oh, like, were the same, <laughs> yeah, same <laughs> time, but they they don't sound anything like any of those bands. Exactly. They all had, you can listen to one song and you can definitely not even listen, hear the vocals, but you just hear the instrumentals on from one band to the next. And you can tell, like, oh, this is so-and-so. This is another band. Oh, this is... And, like, now, at this point, it just feels like some of the songs that they just kind of start blending in together. Absolutely. So, yeah. 110%. Well, one thing, like, or at least one reason why I believe that that's the case is because people just try to do like power chords nowadays and there and i have no problem with power chords like i mean I, there are certain times that like i use them because they make sense in certain applications but if people don't use other chords they don't have different voicings and that's kind of what gives a band strangely enough their voice outside of the singer yeah. because a singer yeah. is like an easily identifiable thing but there are so many bands that you can identify just by the sound of the band i mean yes. a great example is led zeppelin and I feel like that's it's kind of strangely more from the drummer and the feel of that. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I would never feel like the sound of Nirvana and the sound of Alice in Chains or the sound of Pearl Jam even remotely sound the same. And that's because exactly. of the, the chords that they chose to use. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Speaking on the power chords, I remember when I first started playing guitar. Man, those were the chords. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. Because you're yeah. like, how the fuck are my fingers ever supposed to do this? Yeah. Let's just do this. It sounds so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> I am powered. It's awesome. That with a grunge pedal. Mm-hmm. Nice. nice. Was that like the Digitech one? Is that yeah, like, yeah, the yeah, purple yeah. one. Hell yeah. One of my buddies still has it. That's dope. What's funny is, is that... Let's bring that back. No, strangely enough, apparently the Digitech Bad Monkey pedal goes for like a decent amount of money nowadays really? when it wasn't for a while. Yeah, like now all of a sudden people want it and Maybe think it sounds Maybe because of the good. nostalgia or something or no? I have no oh. idea. I really don't. <laughs> remember when they, they say it sounds good. I don't... I don't remember that pedal, to be honest. But I remember the name, but I don't remember hearing it. It's yeah. just... Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I'm not gonna shell out for it though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I the pedals are a funny thing to me because for the longest time, like I was like, oh, I'm gonna unlock my secret sound and I'm gonna be like the best guitar player ever because I have these pedals and it's gonna make me sound like this. It's like half the time nobody gives a fuck. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're going to be like, just play your song. Like, I remember how it sounds. Like, you played a million, with a million different sounds. I'm just going to, like, listen to what the riff sounds like, and that's it. Like, and not, they're not even going to give a shit. So, we shall yeah. see. There is one thing that I do really like about Eddie Vedder, even though he is a vagabond <laughs> that we, we cannot figure out his real, true origins or why anybody cared about him. Yeah. Um, his biological father didn't. Yeah, apparently not, Mr. Mueller, yeah. or was that like like an adopted father? I, I can't even remember. Oh no, but nobody knows that was what it was, right? Yeah. It was only like speculation. Of, yeah, Mr. Mueller it just reminds me of like an FBI agent <laughs> name or something <laughs> like that. Is, yeah. Agent Mueller, what is yeah. that from? That does sound very familiar. Oh, that's from uh, Boardwalk Empire. Oh, that's why. <laughs> that's hilarious. He was a prohibition agent, though. Oh, okay. I wonder if he was like 400 <laughs> years old, gave birth to Eddie Vedder, and then just died after that. <laughs> Finally, after he completed his transcendence from male to female, gave birth and died. No, but but seriously. Um, the one thing I think is actually very cool about Eddie Vedder is that he really liked that their style was more thrift store based because it was very eclectic. And that kind of goes to the theme of the music and all the bands being very eclectic and not being similar to each other. They'd actually get really stoked if they could find a shirt that they thought was cool for like 50 cents at the thrift store. And it would be a unique item because nobody else would be able to go that go pick that up. Yeah. You couldn't just go to like Zoomies or whatever and buy the same stupid Obey shirt. Mm-hmm. You had to go to the thrift store, find something you thought was cool, rock it, and see if people dug it. You know what I mean? Um, the sad part about <laughs> all of that was they said at the time that all of the big brands decided that they were going to start copying that style with the flannels and yes. everything else. And then just marketing that, which is just like so garbage and now kanye's doing that is kanye doing it <laughs> he's got the torn up shirts and all that oh stuff. shit for well, five hundred dollars yeah no, nice. only 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 <laughs> oh that's right i remember that that's yeah. exactly no what's he's happening. still doing that stuff yeah so. that's nice yeah. so that's where i guess thank you eddie better right <laughs> <laughs> well, i can relate i mean i to i to this day i love thrift shorts Eddie Vedder's like, you're either going to pay me royalties on this or you're going to find my real dad. Oh, no, no. I just read Eddie Vedder's real dad had MS. And after the divorce between his mother and Pete Mueller, he figured out or was told after the divorce about his real father, who he only met once as a child and only thought was just an old friend of his parents. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, damn it. That was my dad. I'm he gonna, could have given me piggyback rides. I'm going to go reconnect with him. Well, he couldn't have give you, given him piggyback oh, rides because he had yes. MS. Oh, God damn it. I'm so insensitive. And so the guy <laughs> died of MS. And so he could never really get to know him. That's terrible. I know. Maybe that's why he's so angsty nowadays. That's why he's saying about poor Jeremy and all of his problems. You probably identify with Jeremy a lot. I think so. Anyways, fuck the man. Uh Uh-oh. And stealing all of everybody's cool clothes and selling them in department stores. I still go to thrift stores, so I don't know what you're talking about. You can choose to to fuck the man if you want. You don't have to buy the, the commercialized man fucking i don't even know where i'm going with this <laughs> that's freaking awesome well on that note they did have other cds okay we've been talking about that one for a very long time the problem is there isn't much to say, say about, about the other cds so their next album was called versus and because they were a really huge band this is how it works everybody just so you guys know it debuted at number one 
And the reason why I'm telling you is because if you're a really huge band, this is how it works, is because they chose not to release any singles or music videos for this album, so there's no promotion. People just knew that it was the new Pearl Jam album, so they just bought it. That's and that's nuts. how it debuted at number one. It didn't matter if you heard the songs. Nope. It didn't matter if you saw the music videos and knew what you were buying. They literally only bought it because it was Pearl Jam's next CD. They were hoping for a Jeremy too, and they didn't get it. This Jeremy the sequel? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he comes back to life, Jeremy. Jeremy the second. Jeremy comes back to life after he's done what he's done and does it again. <laughs> Sadly, we come to find out later. Jeremy was one of Pete Mueller's illegitimate sons. Oh, no. Yep. You keep getting it backwards. It was Pete Mueller was the stepfather and the non-father. The real father, I don't even think he has a name. God, the real, shit. the biological MS father. But. So Pete Mueller is still around? Yeah. I wonder if he could produce our next album. <laughs> he's, just so, he's just Eddie Vedder's stepdad. I don't know why. That's he cool. <laughs> It'll give us clout, I think. Okay. So verses, what was good about verses, Scott? Anything? Okay, well, what's weird is I've grown up <laughs> hating this CD because our old bass player Anthony's dad used to order like oh, Columbia no. House CDs. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, and I thought that this CD was the one with all the good songs on it, which were ten, because you know I was like, oh, that's right, barely any years old yeah. at the time, and I was like, oh, Pearl Jam, I'm gonna listen to all the songs I hear on the radio. No, and I didn't get to hear any so of those fucking disappointed. songs. Yes, I was stuck with Daughter. Oh, <laughs> but you want to know but, but the the thing that I want to make oh, fun of myself about the most daughter. is like going back and listening to Pearl Jam more. I was listening to Daughter and I was like, I don't even hate this anymore. Maybe it's just like my oldness. You know what I mean? It's just like it's it's really not that bad. Like when I was younger, I was like, God, this whole freaking CD sucks. And like it's, probably that's pretty special though. Yeah, I mean, if it was something that I had just heard for no reason, didn't know it was Pearl Jam. I probably wouldn't give it a second listen, to tell you the truth. But since I did know it was Pearl Jam and I was willing with open arms to embrace it, yes. I was like, I guess it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys ever notice that phenomenon, though? Yeah. That you're more willing to listen to something when you know who it's from? Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, one of the things about Pearl Jam, though, is they have such a loyal following. Oh, my God, like, yeah. Bigger than like any other like major bands that are bigger than them, their fans just they follow them. Oh yeah, they worship them no matter what. It's That's they everywhere. they got the That's yeah exactly. Why they were putting their phones to the moon for blood <clears throat> fuck moon dick or whatever it was that came out. Yeah, just exactly. Because their following is so <laughs> loyal. No, yeah, it is, and it's just one of those things. I think even Billy Corgan. Oh, I'm no. not a big fan of this guy but what's funny is i i was gonna say i love the fuck out of this guy yeah i i don't know yeah that we agree to disagree with that no yeah but yeah he said uh that on one of the interviews was he did not understand how pearl jam can have as many fans as they do with the music that pearl jam puts out yeah that's hilarious <laughs> that he says so that. yeah it's kind of like a thing that he would say right that's but, what i'm saying yeah, well, exactly. and that makes sense because i'm saying but, it, like, but yeah. it's true though it's true um their uh more recent albums aren't that great but people still listen to them people still bias they're streaming it and they'll go to their shows no matter yeah, what it's probably like why people 
stay in marriages for 50 years. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> good analogy. They're so unhappy. You know what I mean? But they're like just waiting for that glimmer of hope with the time that if they had a better time in their life or something. I, you know I what I mean? I think somebody that's the Pearl like, Jam. Like, streaming their music with like tears coming out of their eyes like, oh God, it's Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> but they feel like... And they're like, I remember when me and Pearl Jam yeah. used to have good days. Yeah. <laughs> and they ask come them, home, like, I don't know if these are ready. tears of happiness or tears <laughs> They're like, I just don't know if I can start over with another band. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've already been together for so long. <laughs> We've built so much. So I invested so much. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so just one of those things. I don't know. They they have a huge following. They, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Roy's like, whatever about all of this. <laughs> well, I mean, it, but what's funny is, is that it at least makes sense that I know that if somebody who's my friend has something that people would consider a bad take, like if it was on politics or something else, I'm much more willing to listen to them for some reason to hear them out and know why, because I know where they're coming from and what their credibility is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like maybe that's the reason with the music is because mm-hmm. I mean, if <laughs> any of the songs Pearl Jam put out <laughs> recently came from anybody else, uh-huh. no one would nope. give it a fucking chance. Like there, there is no way. <laughs> yeah definitely. i don't know scott you would love if i put out dance of the clairvoyant idiot whatever the crap that was i would probably do that thing that like moms tell their kids oh, no. be like, be like no no it's good honey just yeah. put it over there <laughs> <laughs> and so i don't want to have it over here because you know it might get broken no. <laughs> exactly. no. let's put it in the box that's so- in the closet yeah. <laughs> Safeguard. I'm, tr- I'm triggered because I feel like that's happened to me. No, it has not. Too it many has times. never happened to you. I tell you all the time when it comes to our music, like what's good and oh, what's bad. No. Or at least like in my opinion, you do the same thing to me, I'm except you're much my, worse to me. I, I'm talking about my own mother, though. She's like, that's good. If it was, um, if you had done it really good. good. It's, I've heard you do it really good, at least. Yeah. That was something she had said to me. Well, at least I know you can do it. <laughs> Thanks, mom. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay that you did it. You just did it now, but I know you can do it from from the past. You're like, okay, I, I need to know Maybe where I, I'm going to go from here. <laughs> no, that's Pearl. That, that right there. My mom just explained Pearl, Pearl Jam's Jam. fan base. <laughs> <laughs> I know you can do it. So I'm just going to keep remembering when you can do it and I'll just keep accepting Dance Wh- whatever Claire this is, Blood yeah. Moon or whatever. One cool thing that they did was their war with Ticketmaster. They canceled their 1994 tour because they wanted to keep the prices ticket prices under $20 so that all their real fans could go. But Ticketmaster and their exorbitant fees and other bullshit that they would pull by, you know, adding whatever they wanted to to what the band actually required the prices to be ended up making the prices so astronomical that a lot of their fans couldn't actually go see them. Um, Pearl Jam ended up taking them to court for their shady business practices. But sadly, the Justice Department ruled in favor of Ticketmaster no matter how hard Pearl Jam tried. Why? That I despise. Buys right? Ticketmaster, Ticketfly, whatever it may be. You, even now, I hate it so much when you look for a price for to go watch a band, and it's like, oh, thirty five bucks. 
uh, but there's a $10 convenience fee plus taxes yep. and all these other surcharges. And now the tickets are $65. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, um, for that, I, I do give them props when they did that back then. Yep. It wasn't that noticeable back then. Cause I mean, the exposure where you could just get yeah. that information right yeah. away wasn't really there. The oh, yeah. internet wasn't really like, uh, put together at that point where Not everybody had access. Yeah. I mean, like I'm trying to think. It was if you worked for like the government, and then your computer was the size of your living room. Yeah, I feel like, <laughs> like I don't remember internet really until like ninety late nineties. Yeah, ninety six, ninety seven, maybe. Yes. AOL. Yes. Yeah, like something like that. Yeah. So I mean, just with that, uh, the the thing that they were trying to do with that stuff, because um, now I despise that. I. Um, I like to go watch fans play right now, but it's I hold myself back from so many just because I look at the freaking fees. Yep. And I get it. The bands need to get paid. But I know for a fact they're not getting a fraction of that. No. That, not. That, that's not where they're getting their money. That, nope. uh, working in the industry, you know, like a lot of it, where if you really want to help out a band, if you guys are listening out there, buy their merch. Yeah. Just buy their merch. Buy something at their table. If you go to a show and you pay a ticket, that's great um if you stream or you do this stuff online that's great you're supporting them but if you really want to help them out financially the best thing to do is go to a show and look at their merch table because yep. that, yep. that's basically what's paying their bills so that they can eat and get gas and move on to the next city go www.metalband.com <laughs> backslash <laughs> forward slash shop <laughs> and there's t-shirts and other things for you to buy there but yeah, yeah. so one of one of those things i i um do despise about these places that just take a master and all that stuff. Yeah. That's dirty. Unless yep. we play with them. Oh, shit. <laughs> with Pearl Jam or Ticketmaster? Ticketmaster. That's so <laughs> No, but, but the funny part yeah. is, is that, yeah, it does suck because like one thing I've always wanted to do is play at Mattress Firm Amphitheater because it's, I, it might not even be called that anymore. I mean, it was called that like a year ago, but it always changes down there in Chula Vista. You know what I'm talking about? The really big one. Oh, they probably changed things because I don't remember that. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like it's been like, I think it's been like Viejas. It's like been a ton of different places. Oh, okay. Yeah. So but, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, so tickets are always crazy expensive. You know, beers are $4 billion. That's and the band probably sucky. sees, you know, none of it. So, yeah, as far as the beer goes, I don't think they see any of it. No, they don't see any of those sales <laughs> yeah. for no, sure. Yeah, all the venue. The venue and the vendor. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, it's like during that whole Ticketmaster thing, though, they did release Vitology, which was the last album by them that I would ever enjoy. I, I haven't liked anything since Vitology, but there were some songs on Vitology that I thought were pretty cool. And yes, you guys can call me lame because they were all the radio ones. It was Corduroy and Better Man. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know why I like Better Man so much because I think a lot of people it's think it's cheesy. Better Man. But yeah, I've always liked that one. Like the thing about Pearl Jam is, is that they just have that rhythmic feel that's just so unique to them. Like I've never... Like, like Red Hot Chili Peppers is the only other band that I feel like have such a loose groove oh, yeah. that is just so associated with how that band sounds. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it was just because it was before. Oh, I mean, sorry, Led Zeppelin is another good example of that. But there is just, maybe just nowadays, it's just that everything is so cut and pasted right to the click and the groove, like the, like the actual uh, grid. Grid. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I just, I've never heard a band 
any time in the, I don't know, last probably 20 years. Now that's 2020. You know what I mean? Mm. That has ever actually like had their own identifiable rhythm. Like, I mean, like Incubus does it, but they were before that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were like in between that yeah. time. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. I think our band does. M E T T L E. Yeah, but nobody be able to tell because the first one is very. I was. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's true. That kind of frustrates me, but, you know, we're, we're working on that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we're working on not. Having people, you know, screw with it so much. Yeah, as far as like one of the last songs that I probably listened to from Pearl Jam that kind of after their debut was uh, from Backspacer. Um, they have that song, The Fixer. <clears throat> oh, yeah, you're mentioning that. Yeah, earlier. so that, that's one of the songs that uh, felt a little bit more rocking. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more loose, yeah. and like I gravitate to that stuff when I write, when I play, I feel more comfortable playing in that style. Uh-huh. And that was just kind of the last one from <laughs> Pro Jam <laughs> right. that I that I can <laughs> truly say, like, oh man, that song was great. Yeah, it was catchy, it was cool, yeah. and yeah, I think that was one of the last ones that I listened to. Yeah, no, it definitely had a good groove for sure. Yeah, agreed. As far as like you said, not much. Not much sense. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, the only other song by Pearl Jam that, like, came out after Vitology for me was Yellow Leadbetter. And I've always wondered about that song because it's all, it, like, it feels like, like a song that could have been on 10. Or at least I, on... The, I, I see what you mean. On, on Vitology, like, what's weird is, like, the guitar player, his riffs sound, like, so Jimi Hendrixy on that song. Yeah. Like, like I, I just don't understand how, like, you can make that song... And then make the rest of your songs. What album was that from? Yeah, I don't think it was on, even on an album. Oh, it was just like a single? Yeah, or like they made like a greatest hits album or something, and then like put that on as an extra track, like that kind of thing. Oh, okay. But yeah, that song is freaking great. Yeah, I didn't realize that that wasn't on anything. Let me see. As far yeah, as far as I know, I don't think it was on an album. I think it was like a greatest hits album and then they threw it on there or something like that. Because I don't remember it being on an actual CD. Oh, it, it says it's on an album. It's on an album named Jeremy. It's a single. It, it is? It was a 91. Yeah, see, it wasn't on an album. It was oh. like a B-side on a single is the idea. Yeah, it came out in, uh, it says on here, it came out in 1991. Well, there you go. Then it should have been on 10. You see what I'm saying? Well, so it might have been a B-side from 10. Yeah. That's probably what it was. So you go back to the beginning. Mysteries. Well, that's what we've been saying the whole time. Like, like what happened? Oh, yeah. You're right. It was an outtake from the band's debut album, 10. There you go. Yeah. And then I, I know everything. Yeah. And was, sele- and was selected by the band to be a B-side. So I was right, too. It was a selected to be a B-side on the 1992 album, Jeremy. Or 19, sorry, 1992. Single. A single, Jeremy. Got it. Well, at least we've laid that to rest. We have. What's funny is, is that I've been listening to that song for so fucking long and just never even cared to look it up to just figure out where it was from. Oh, so you're preaching to the choir. I never care to look up anything. Yeah. <laughs> Final point before we go on to the uh, Do They Rock is Eddie Vedder used to yell from the stage, or maybe he still does, but I just maybe just don't, don't pay care. enough. Well, yeah, pay enough attention anymore that uh, you don't love me. You love who you think I am. Yeah. And philosophically, this is a very interesting concept 
not just of celebrity worship, but of the way people create versions of people in their head. And it's hard for them to see the person as anything yes. else. A story I have about this is John Frusciante from the Red Hot Chili Peppers used to do well because he's probably always on drugs like back then like this was before he quit the band the first time he said that he would yell out to the crowd this song goes out to the baby who's going to be born right now and then what was so funny to him in his head was that he goes now that i have the audience thinking about this baby i'm gonna think about a different baby <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, and now they're thinking something totally different than I'm thinking. That's but, nuts. Yeah, but that was his his constructivist theory on yeah. how people will create an ideal of something right on the spot. That's And genius. so they're all thinking yeah. about That's what's happening right genius. now. Yeah. And then now that I'm thinking about something else, they're thinking about that, and I am, but they think that we're doing the same thing. Do you see what I'm saying? And he used to say all the time about himself that... People have this idea of me, but they don't know who I am. And oh, I really that. like like just the thought of that, that when people think about celebrities, they're going to be whoever they are to you, not who they yeah. actually are. Well, and, and most of the time, people don't want to know who the real person is no. because it's going to be too hard for them to lose the idea of who that person is. Well, especially is in their because head. when everything in the entertainment industry, acting, acting, celebrity, whatever it is, music, is because everything has to be marketed to people. And as we see with even our own music and our own band, oh, e yeah. everything has to be nice and easily digestible. And they always say, dress like you sound, all these different things look like you sound. And this is told <laughs> to us and hammered into our freaking, you know, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> oh, shit, Jerry's laughing. <laughs> I just think we're going to start wearing some vest. And no shirts. <laughs> yes. Grow our hair long. Let's do I it. Like it. <laughs> I love wearing vests with no shirts. That'll yep. go over well for the crowd for it's me. It's a cow vest. <laughs> cow print? Yeah. Oh, man. That'd be too hot. <laughs> that would be way too hot. I couldn't handle that. But, but I was there's not... no shirt underneath. It'll <laughs> no. be fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, I meant like. Like attractive hot. Oh, yeah. No, Jerry's like, Jerry's like, I like oh, yeah, no, 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 now we're on the same page. Yeah. Okay. So you're thinking of a you. different baby. You were thinking yeah. of a different baby. <laughs> but whole different baby. Whole different baby. But yeah, so that's the that's the thing is that I think of the same thing. And I feel like that's even in our, you know, low level of of, of experience in life that we have with music. Um I feel like sometimes I come across that even in talking to like supporters and people who really like the music, they'll, they will say that they're surprised about aspects about me that yeah. they would have never thought. I'm like, what do you mean you would have never thought? You've only seen me in like a couple music videos. You only know a three second clip of me in a music video where yeah. I don't even look how I look 99% of the time. And then, which is like, Mouthful of mac and cheese. And very, <laughs> very homeless and covered in dog hair. <laughs> and that's the problem is that they, when I tell them about, or when they figure out all these other things about me, they're like, you're not at all what I thought. And I think that's interesting. What you, you, you had a thought about me. And I think that's weird. That's what you're telling. Don't meet your idols. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. That's why they always say that. Yeah. Megan said, what did you think? I was a female Batman. <laughs> I think so. And that's when they unfriend me. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people have their own perceptions of like who, who they're looking at. Mm -hmm. They make up their own in their own head. They just make up like, oh, this person is so and so. And they also assume like all the like they also make uh, very 
interesting snap judgments about even what you know. Like the, they they immediately classify you at an education level. They classify you at a, like a, a world experience level. A, a, everything. Like it's interesting how much I've been like in my personal experience, because the only thing I could talk about, I've been like, you know, compartmentalized in these people's heads that, oh, I, I must be like this. And it's so far removed. And, yeah. it, and, and having that intercourse, er, ooh. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Excuse having me? intercourse with my fans, <laughs> having that interchange with <laughs> supporters, because I do, I really love to talk to the people who appreciate the music. It, it's always interesting to watch that kind of unravel for them. Yeah. And I just, I mean, it's weird, but it's cool. Different baby. Inter- yeah, don't have intercourse with babies <laughs> intercourse have a baby but not the one you're thinking of. exactly yes, exactly <laughs> have somebody else's baby make sure you guys are thinking about the same baby when you do that when you have intercourse <laughs> john like this wasn't the baby i wanted <laughs> oh, God, damn it. i was thinking who are you thinking back. about <laughs> i've been waiting nine months for this <laughs> right. you're thinking of the wrong one so should we rock it or tell yep. them yeah yeah so this is the point in the podcast, now that we've gone into all kinds of different directions, where um, we all go around the room and say whether we believe Pearl Jam rocks or not. And Scott Gossett, do you want to be last or do you want to be first? I earned being last. I think that's true. You're not first, you're last. <laughs> I think Roy needs to say it first because Roy was asleep the entire time. <laughs> He was listening to the new album. He was listening to it. I was actually. She's like, I was getting <laughs> off on it. <laughs> He's talking about babies. I was like, oh. um, Pearl Jam, dude. <laughs> so sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool band. I like him. Um, should we just move on, or should I just say something? <laughs> no, I was gonna say, do they do, do they rock and Roy Hernandez? Point. Period. <laughs> and the conversation. Yeah. I just don't want to answer the. I don't want to answer the question. He doesn't want to answer. I feel like Pearl Jam, you know, was kind of like like, you know, part of the puzzle from like the oh. '90s alternate, you know, grunge scene. Yeah. You have uh, Nirvana. Uh, Soundgarden, you know. So without Pearl Jam, you cannot just appreciate the whole, the whole picture. The whole mm. picture. So yes, they do rock, and I do like the jams too. Like I said earlier, you know, and I like it. I feel like they have like this energy, you know, and and their their songs. I'm not really fan of like the vocal. Yeah, you know, <laughs> skills or I yeah. mean, he's great, but it's an interesting. It's sound. not 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 for me. Yeah, well, yeah. half the time it's like completely unintelligible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially uh, yellow lead better. Oh God, yes. Well, yeah, that was like one thing. Uh, I'll get to that later. No, you, so. you go. go ahead. He's or, like, I don't want to talk at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Good. I'm good. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, since I mentioned that, I was just gonna say that I think it's weird that I can't understand almost any fucking words that are said in that song. No, nope. at all. But for some reason. It gets me in the feels every time I hear it. Like somehow, like he was able to convey whatever message he was trying to convey. <laughs> in his baby gibberish. He is in his baby gibberish, and it took me back to being a gibbering baby. Well, on that note, I will go ahead and say because I feel like I'm the second most uninterested person in the room <laughs> that I um I think ugh, I don't want to pull a Scott and say they did rock. 
<laughs> because that's what Scott does. But I kind of feel like that's what I want to say the that's most. The cop out. It is the cop out. Everybody says it's a cop out, <laughs> but I think it's true. You know, I think you can say that. I feel like I would have said they rocked until I heard Dance of the Clairvoyance and the Wolf Blood Moon shit. Like all of the, the completely new stuff? Yes. Just kind of just totally destroyed yeah. That, yeah, the fact that I had to listen to that actually made me go, I don't know if the first album was just an accident. Yeah. So well, I, we saw the first that last one. So yeah, <laughs> so we didn't just hear it; we saw the video. <laughs> we yep. saw it. I was traumatized. So I'm gonna go ahead and say that sounds like one of like the most ridiculous, like hokey old dad bands got together and they decided, hey, Dirty Mike and the boys want to get together <laughs> right. and make a song. Well, Dance of the Clairvoyance literally just sounds like something from the Talking Heads. It went wrong anyway. The Talking like, Heads is like cover band that yeah, wanted exactly. to make a song. The Talking Heads tribute band made that song. Yeah. And the tribute band consisted of 65-year-old men from the middle of the country, which is a perfectly fine place. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, maybe they don't rock. So uh, on that note, um, I'm going to hand it on over. I'm going to pass that torch to Jerry. I will say without a maybe that they don't rock <gasps> right like away. It. I'll be I like quick. The hard, the hard stance. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, they were part of the grunge. I can see them coming out from there and putting in that album. It was great. And to be honest, uh, I myself personally, I didn't really listen to that album. Mm-hmm. I've never really listened to Pearl Jam that much. Um, yeah. The Fixer is probably one song that I can really say, like, oh, you know what? Yeah. I like that song from Pearl Jam, and that is all I can really say about them. Okay. So for yeah. me, it's a... I mean, that's real... what we're all about. It's yeah. like about having your own opinion about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Just... Yeah. So no rock for me. No rock. <laughs> On to Scott. Yep. This is one that is... Let's hear it. Oh. <laughs> Cop out. It's a tragedy. No, it's a tragedy. It's... It's like I was so influenced by that first CD. What's strange is that more influenced as a drummer than a guitar player. I feel like the bass and the drums in that first CD are so fucking sick that it's nuts. Like when you listen to the bass and the drums, not necessarily guitar, but from a bass player standpoint, like the riffs and everything. Like I guess that's true. Guitar yeah. players, like it's almost like the bass player played bass riffs that should be guitar riffs that still make sense as a bass part that's what's really weird yeah like it's it's very cool very influential in that way but as far as a whole band goes i've never been able to get into them past that first album so i'm gonna also say i don't think that pearl jam rocks no seriously though because remember i have that whole theory that you can like up to five songs by a band and not think that they rock and that's pretty much where I stand. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you're going to say, like, the songs that I really care about, I'll probably say Even Flow's cool. And again, it's not like it means something to me. It's a good song. It's cool. It's catchy. Um, and then, you know, like I said, uh, I, I can't even say that Better Man is a great song. No. I think it's fine. You know what I mean? It's, just, it's like, whatever. So, Black is a great song. Um, Jeremy's cool because the bass line. I, I don't know. I, I've never liked Alive. Oh, uh, oh, like, so I don't know. Like, it just, they're fine. Like, instrumentally, they're cool. Yeah. I actually feel like Eddie Vedder ruins it. <laughs> Being serious. I feel like, like, most of the time, he is so off the mark, I just can't do it. 
And they, they're going like, damn, we shouldn't have gone to San Diego. I know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I got that fatherless <laughs> They're like, fuck surfer. Bible. Yeah, exactly. That bastard child. Why did we go to that security spot? <laughs> right. <laughs> so sick. It's like, oh yeah, we parked our car there. Honestly, just what happened, right? Why did we take back that? then? They were all doing heroin and like yeah. so many drugs. They were he just, just took like the guy's demo. Like he had like the demo. Yeah. And the security guard was there. He's like, "You guys are gonna hand that shit over to me." Was he any better? Because they're all like on drugs. He's like, "And I won't call the cops." <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he became the singer. The, no. The security guard who was Eddie Vedder said, "I'm not gonna call the cops if you take my demo." To the band members. No, remember? The demo was given to Eddie Vedder. No, so but maybe he the had story his, is he had demos first. So maybe he gave him oh, his, mean his demo. own demos. And then yeah, they, de- they yes. heard Eddie Vedder yes. on demos and yes. they said, like, holy shit, we better get this guy on here. That's what happened. That's why it was so weird. <laughs> and then but they said, let's demos? go down. That sounds like bullshit. <laughs> he made his own stupid security guard demos and was giving them out to yeah, band he was, members. He made a bunch of demos on his yeah. own and yeah, he yeah, was yeah, passing yeah, them but, out. But, like, what was the instruments? We need to look up <laughs> these Eddie Vedder demos to yes. tell you the truth. <laughs> that baritone power. Yeah. That's all it was. Acapella. That's what they're called. Acapella baritone power. That's nuts. So this has been the longest podcast of our life, but it's been a very fruitful one. And Roy wouldn't shut up the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) So on that note, um, yeah, thanks for listening. Make sure to check out us and listen to our music because that's the most important. We're metal. M-E-T-T-L-E. It's what you're made of. Have a good night. I guess. Middle oh, out. Ah, ah, I feel alive. <laughs> 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 <laughs>